Hi, I'm Ben Miller from University Relations here at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and we're a proud sponsor of WIS Politics and WIS Business Podcasts. You're listening to WIS Business, the podcast, Wisconsin's business news source. Now, here's your host. Hi, everybody. I'm Stephanie Hoff here with WIS Business, the podcast. We have travel news journalist Peter Greenberg with us today. You probably know him as the travel detective. Peter, thank you so much for coming on today. Happy to be with you. So you're out traveling the world, sharing your stories on national news and winning Emmys. But through all of that, you have a soft spot for the Badger State that you share with your readers every once in a while. That's because you're a UW-Madison alum. What did going to school at UW-Madison mean to you and your career? Well, you were incorrect on one thing. I don't just share it with my readers every once in a while. I share it with my readers every chance I get because I owe my entire career to the University of Wisconsin. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today without it. Um, for purposes of putting it into a place in history, I was, uh, I was at Madison during the tough years of 67 to 72, the major anti-war years in which uh, we spent more time with the National Guard than we spent in our classes. Uh, there was almost a permanent cloud of tear gas on some days. Um, and the focus of the mainstream media in those days was on the campuses in revolt uh, against the war in Vietnam. And it is not an exaggeration when I tell you that Wisconsin was probably the most active, most violent anti-war campus in America. It really became the focal point of, of, uh, of protest. And as a young journalist at the Daily Cardinal, uh, I could not have been any closer to ground zero if I wanted to. And at that moment, um, there were a number of major national news organizations that needed eyes on the ground. And I got hired as a stringer, which is the lowliest of the low, uh, by a magazine called Newsweek. And, but on a very unusual situation, we were creating and covering so much news that I went from like, what a normal stringer would do, which would be like, you know, one story every six months on whether, you know, blue jeans were back on campus to basically being a war correspondent and being in the magazine almost every week. And as a result of that, uh, there I was at the right place at the right time and at the right school. Uh, I got hired as the youngest correspondent in the history of the magazine. And uh, they sent me out to California. This is while I'm still in college. Um, they sent me out to California, then I came back, I graduated, and then they sent me to Houston and then back out to California where I became the West Coast correspondent and was at Newsweek for the next uh, six years. And uh, covering everything from Watergate to Patty Hearst to Gary Gilmore, uh, Howard Hughes, uh, Vietnam, you name it. And, uh, but it all started right there in Madison. And I never forget it. And I always give credit because without it, I wouldn't be talking to you. Shifting gears to the pandemic, Wisconsin's tourism industry and others, I'm sure, have focused their marketing on local staycations or driving distance vacations. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it was certainly not planned that way, but we've evolved in the last year to literally rediscovering our own country, um, our own backyard, our own neighborhoods, one tank trips, if you will, going there and back on one tank of gas. Wisconsin lent itself very well to that. 
Um, I certainly discovered Wisconsin all those years when I was in school, the, leaving Madison and coming back the, you know, that late that night or the next morning, all over the state. And I'm a big fan of that because we take so much for granted and there's so much in our own backyard. Now, I'm talking to you today from uh, Manhattan, where I live, and born and raised here. And in my neighborhood, I've been in this neighborhood literally since I'm six months old. And you think you know your neighborhood. Well, here comes the pandemic. And I found out very quickly how much I didn't know because for the first time in a long time, I was walking everywhere. I wasn't in a car. I wasn't on a bus. I wasn't on a subway. I was walking outside. And, and uh, all of a sudden, I'm discovering things that have been there you know, for decades, uh, experiences, architectural moments, uh, uh, historical monuments, uh, storytelling, never even knew it. So this is a great opportunity for us, even though we didn't plan on it, as long as we can travel responsibly uh, to rediscover our own backyard. And, I, and I'm doing it all the time now, and I encourage everybody to do it. Uh, you know, when travel does come back and it's starting to kind of sneak back a little bit, uh, it will come back within the 48 continental United States. It'll be domestic travel, not necessarily international travel. And people are going to be looking for not just uh, great destinations, but great experiences and great stories. Travel is nothing without great stories. And Wisconsin has so many of them. Most people don't realize, and most of my friends don't even realize, that you have, and I'm probably wrong on this number, but 11 distinct tribal nations in Wisconsin. People don't know that. And they're all easily accessible. They all have incredible stories to tell and they're welcoming. And, and what a great part of American history is right there in your backyard that most people don't pay attention to. As a traveler, what was or is the biggest challenge for you personally during this pandemic? I wanna be clear about this. I don't cover lovely London or beautiful Bermuda. I'm not out there promoting travel. I'm not out there selling it. What I'm out there doing is reporting on the largest industry in the world. People don't realize it's one out of every 10 jobs. And when the economy was healthier, it was one out of every five new jobs. And that was just a year ago. Uh, and so my biggest challenge is to get basically the news media, as well as my audience, as well as travelers in general to realize uh, the important economic impact of travel and also the important political component of travel. And so given those two things, to let people know, given the information I can give them, how they can make intelligent, informed decisions about their own travel choices. And once they get to do that, there's no end of the things that they can discover and the experiences that they can have, and most importantly, the experiences they can share. When do you expect world travel to recover? Well, let's start with domestic travel. What we're gonna see in the next three months, if we're lucky, is the intersection of a much more widespread dissemination of the vaccine, coupled with the development of much more reliable rapid response testing, and of course, coupled with the pent up demand in travel. And so by, let's say April 30th, you're gonna see a measurable increase in domestic travel planes, trains, automobiles, every mode of transportation you can imagine uh, as we get into the summer months, if people will travel responsibly. As for world travel, because that's how you couched your question, uh, world travel is going to take a little bit longer because we're dealing with each country acting as its own guardian, its own regulations, 
Uh, we're dealing with lockdowns now all over Europe, uh, Asia, Africa, uh, parts of the Middle East and the Gulf. So that's going to be a little bit longer time in coming. And what will predicate the, re the, re the recovery will be the development of a universally acceptable, a universally readable, and a document impossible to forge, which would serve as a vaccine passport, a proof of vaccination uh, that will allow you to go to the grocery store, the movie theater, a theme park, an airport, a cruise ship, you name it. In fact, one by one, you will see airlines requiring it. You will see cruise lines requiring it. And we'll get used to it like we take our shoes off at the airport. That will come. Uh, we just got to get countries to understand we need one universally acceptable document. And once we get to that point, it'll come back. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? Yeah, I'll give you one more. And that is, I hope everybody gets their vaccination. But remember this, getting your vaccination doesn't mean you're liberated. You're still going to be wearing a mask for at least another year, and you're still going to get tested from time to time. But uh, once that happens, we will reduce the fear, we'll increase the confidence, and as long as we can travel responsibly, we're going to get back to doing what we love to do, and that's traveling the world. You've been listening to Wisp Business, the podcast. Now stay tuned for a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Ben Miller from UW-Madison, and we're a proud sponsor of Wisp Politics and Wisp Business Podcast. UW-Madison is one of our state's greatest economic engines, accounting for $15 billion in economic impact statewide. UW-Madison is working for Wisconsin.